So welcome back. We will try to make some kind of progress today a little bit. We're on page 299. Nice number. More than halfway. We are finishing this. <laughs> All right, please. All monks who have cleansed themselves from sins did so through tears, and all Christians who have gained perfection have acquired it through tears. This perfection was especially widespread among the numerous silent monks of Lower Egypt, in the desert of Sketis, in Mount Nitria, in Kelia, and in other solitary places. It transformed the choirs and hosts of monks into choirs and hosts of angels. When Saint Macarius <coughs> the Great, the founder of monastic life in the desert of Skidus, and a man who even other desert dwellers considered the father of all fathers, reached advanced years, the monks of Mount Nitria, which is so close to Skidus, asked him to visit them before he departed for the Lord. Macarius came to the mountains. Many monks who practiced silence there met him. They asked him to teach them. Shedding tears, Macarius said, brothers, let us weep. Let our eyes shed tears until we depart to the place where our tears will burn our bodies. All started to weep, fell on their faces and said, Father, pray for us. From his own gift of tears, the holy guide of the ancient holy monks uttered his short teaching about tears, combining with it instructions for the entirety of the monastic life. The hearers, through the appearance of their own tears, revealed that they understood the meaning and universality of the teaching. Many words were not necessary. This is a very interesting text which uh, helps us or should help us to understand how wonderful, how great is this gift of tears and um, actually the state of sorrow in our heart, how beneficial it is. And Macarius the Great was really great guy, great saint. And uh, in his life story, we can read that when uh, um, a number of monks started to grow, and he was really somehow in, uh, he had this question how to lead them. So he had revelation, and actually angel dictate him instructions for monks. Well, and uh, so it was. It was something. It it is something great if he had this vision, this instruction from above for life. And look, when he was dying, well, close to death, and monks asked him for direction for this his last advice. He, for sure he could reach and to for many noble advices, even advices which came to him through this uh, vision, through these extraordinary events and 
but he chose this one. Brother, let's cry. And and this was something what touched me because for sure there are and his homilies are a treasury of uh, spiritual wisdom and uh, somehow it is it is felt that more we are growing in spiritual life we are going to some kind of simplicity we know what is needed in the beginning we try to absorb a lot of wisdom which would we think that it would lead us uh, to growth and and it leads us i don't want to uh lower uh, meaning of any like good advices but he came in the end of his life to that wisdom that everything was that what is the most important is the state of repentance the state of crying over own sins and uh, and weaknesses because this was something what was pushing his soul to the spiritual heights and uh, I I think that he was aware of this, that, that this this state of sorrow it's something what breaks one's heart well it breaks all these ties of pride ties of some kind of egoism everything when we cry in front of God over ourselves and especially when he was able somehow tasted something for greatness of God and so while well, the thought that who I am and who is God caused that he was really moved to tears and I think this is this something what what we should take from this paragraph the most important advice for our life those monks they un they understood what he's saying because they were on this journey of to perfectness so when he pointed in this direction they knew what he was talking about this is why they immediately started to cry and they asked him for prayer and it would be good if we uh, learn or start to walk towards this full understanding of this important state of soul because many times it happens that uh, we want to somehow solve our problems and difficulties uh, with some kind of own power or strength or strength and, and, and wisdom intellect but we forget that we need God's grace that we need to really humble ourselves and to approach God with this pain heart seeing what we are lacking and ask him for his grace to fulfill what is lacking in our hearts 
to heal what is broken in us. This is this sorrow in the heart. Really, it is this power which breaks power of all passions in us and opens us for receiving God's grace which heals our whole being, make us whole again. And, uh, well, it's difficult for us to do this in correct way. We, we might have this very good um, very good, uh, uh, even many episodes during day or weeks that, well, this is this movement in the heart which pushes us towards that, but very fast we are going to, well, there's one priest, he told me that, uh, he said that It was, he went through church. It's similar like here we have, that if I want to go home, so I'm usually going to church for a short prayer and then you continue. Uh, so there are settings are relatively similar. And he said that he went and he stopped for a short prayer <coughs> as usually. And he said at the moment when he stopped, before he started to, to pray this usual short prayer, uh, he said, I couldn't say anything because my heart was taken. He said, I, I really, my tears came and, and I felt how poor I am. And, and I started to beg Christ for mercy. And uh, he said, but you know what? It was so wonderful experience. And he said, and suddenly I thought what I'm supposed to do came and he said, you know, these tears and this state dried out immediately. It was gone. He said it was, it was so so radical that, that that moment of grace he had and he really wanted that, he liked that. He was pleased by that. He said one thought and it was God. One thought which, and he said that he felt like whole day he felt bad that well he let this moment to, to go away just because uh, his mind was taken by one thought from the world. You know, and so, so it is not so easy. And this is why if you remember the several paragraphs before, it means several meetings ago. <laughs> so we, we, we were talking, we probably remember that he said that we have to force ourselves, some kind of violence, some kind of even like artificially to the state. We have to, through this too, we have to somehow uh, practice or force our soul to adjust to this, to these moments, and to even through like not waiting for some kind of movement in your heart, but really force with violence in sometimes our soul to the state of sorrow.
question. Yes. What does it mean by where their tears would burn their bodies? Where, where it, you are? Right, the, where it says, it said, let our eyes shed tears until we depart to the place where our tears will burn our bodies. Well, really, I don't know that what he meant by that, but usually, um, uh, Isaac Syrian says about that, something and others, they, they really, they see this, this first kind of tears, these tears of purification. So they are very painful, and um, even like body experience some kind of pain. I think that he means uh, he has on the mind. I'm just guessing because I, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly here, but uh, it is it is this conquering of our bodies through this that this first this kind of tears cause that. Um, these passions are dry out in us. They are uprooted through this. And it means that, well, uh, this is this uh, process when we are getting our body under control. So I think that this meaning here is that uh, to burn our body means that to burn this, this uh, rule of our bodies over our mind, nose. I, I, this would be my somehow how I understand, and I, there is uh, uh, no explanation here. Branch, uh, you just take this, his sentence, so this is saying so. Well, based on other things, you know, I'm guessing that this is the meaning of that. Okay, can we continue? The gift of tears, this warmth of God's grace, most often visits ascetics during attentive prayer, being one of its usual fruits. To others, it comes during reading. To others, it comes during some active <coughs> work. Thus, St. Kirill of Belozirk, who begin, <coughs> would begin to weep while cooking in the monastery kitchen. While looking at the material fire, he remembered the eternal fire of suffering and shed tears. St. Kirill, understanding that in silence his compunction and tears would increase, wanted to leave for the silence of his cell. According to the will of God, circumstances made this wish of his a reality. But what happened? With the removal of the reason for his compunction and tears, his tears dried up and Kirill asked the abbot to return him to the fires of the monastery kitchen. This is a very interesting story. And uh, interesting because this saint, this Cyril, didn't make any mistake. Um, but at first, that, well, all this paragraph and following paragraphs uh, are more practical advices from Saint Brianchan, uh, you know, uh, how to deal in the moments when this gift appears. And uh, but he starts with this example, which doesn't bring some kind of clarity for us. 
I would say it's, it's a little bit confusing because uh, the Cyril, when, when he got this gift during his work in the kitchen, so he, what he did was something very wise. He followed advices of saints who say that, well, if this gift is coming, you are supposed to keep this as long as possible. So many times there is this advice, okay, go to solitude, <coughs> go to a place when you are not disturbed, may, may you are able to keep, uh, to, to avoid distraction, may this gift is um, growing you, may you keep, and growing and may you keep as long as possible. Because at first it comes for like, for moments or shorter or longer. So Cyril did it. He went immediately to his cell, hope, with the, following this advice, um, he learned from saints, and, uh, well, and these tears disappeared. When he returned back to his work, so tears came back. So I think the Brianchino is using this uh, this example just to show that, well, yes, there's a, some kind of pattern how things are going, but still, uh, God has his own ways. And we have to respect that. And we should not be confused if, uh, uh, like, he did correctly something, but he learned that well, this is probably not God's will for him. So we sometimes, and, and I think that this uh, story has like, um, in, has implications for many things for our spiritual life. Because many times we expect things which are usual, you know, that how it usually works, but, and if it doesn't work this way, as we expect how we read it from life of saints, of teaching of saints, then we are confused. I say, why it is not working? Why, this, why there's, is there some kind of problem? But the simplest uh, answer is, and Prenchino tries to communicate this, that, well, it is not we who dictate God. He knows what is the best for our salvation. He knows that uh, what would serve us for our benefit more than we know. We might think that this, this, this would work, but well, he knows better. God knows better. So sh we should be like uh, humble enough to accept his way of giving these gifts and distributing these gifts and 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 not only about tears but about other things in spiritual life. Um, yeah. All right, I think that I have no other to add to this. So let's continue. The Holy Fathers recommend that one remain in that labor <clears throat> that inspires tears, 
because tears are a spiritual fruit and the point of monastic life is the gathering of such fruits in whatever ways that God finds necessary for us. <clears throat> One of the desert fathers would say that he knew a monk who kept silent in his cell and would weave rope for his obedience. When this monk sat and wove rope, all the while practicing the prayer of the heart, tears would fall. Then he would stand for prayer, but his tears would immediately dry up. The brother would again sit down and work at the rope, concentrating his thoughts inside himself, and the tears would come once again. Likewise, when he sat and read, the tears would fall. He would stand to pray, and again the tears immediately would cease. No sooner would he sit down to read, the tears would reappear. Explaining this, St. Theodore would say, how fair is the teaching of the Holy Fathers that tears are the best teacher. They teach every person exactly what is useful for him. The saint would also say, every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body because impurity pours out from the body, defiling it. In the same way, every virtue is outside the body, but he who weeps daily cleanses his body because a tear that pours from above washes the body from its impurity. So he continues in these practical advices how to deal with this gift if it appears. And again, this monk, um, he had this gift while he was praying Jesus' prayer. But when, then when he started to, uh, to do his prayer rule, what he had, like regular prayers, tears stopped. And this, uh, the, uh, the same thing that when he started to read, spiritual reading, and, and then returned back to prayer, again, tears stopped. And, uh, well, this activity, this gift of tears, which was working this way, again, it goes a little bit from his like normal experience of saints. But again, Briachino brings us those two examples to show us that, again, that God does everything in us for our benefit. And, uh, and, and I, I like these, these words he said that tears are the best teachers. That if we are paying attention, those tears will teach us uh, about this gift and how they are good for us. And um, this is something what uh, brings an answer for me. Another when I was thinking about this today, um, <coughs> I think that it's important maybe to to touch one topic or one thing is that um, we are individuals, unique creations. And maybe this Branchno uses these examples, this some kind of 
differences which can occur to show to tell us that we have to keep in mind that we are not um, like copies and we cannot uh, somehow apply in a perfect way something what happened in life of some saints exactly to our life those are advices but God will act in each of us differently and I think that this is important to we know about that but many times we don't act according you know especially I think um, I, I don't know why it is but uh, even like church offers uh, some kind of general like advices uh, that we, you should do this or this or this and then and and uh, it doesn't work many times and then if there is need, if there is no individual some kind of approach so then it might lead to stagnation when we had today uh, this class with the Slova group about Grancha, you know, and in the end there was these few minutes which left, so there was question about fasting because we are approaching great, great fast and and um, uh, there was question what what does it because I, I was talking, I touched this topic just briefly there and so they asked, said, what would, be, what would be the suggestion, how to live this fast, how to fast during this time? And uh, because usually in Slovakia it is like, like they, it's, it's like normal, everybody knows, well, Bishop said, many years, many seven, 1975, I think, this instruction was given, like for us Byzantine Catholics it is Monday strict fast Wednesday, Friday no meat and then strict fast on the uh, Great Friday so so and, and people keep that uh, Roman Catholics they are even like I would say less strict in these instructions uh, so they ask that what to do and, and uh, what are the correct rules for fasting um, I mean the, uh, what they meant was what is like this original rules how to fast and I refuse to answer that even I know that but I, because it is something what, what is not right we learned that in the church that well this like this order let's keep this order and we are fine but it's it's not true and even with fasting it does make sense to put the most strict uh, you know regulation how it should be like done this fasting correctly perfect I would say because it's because we are not one crowd the church 
to to do everything like in uniformity. They are all different. Church can give like some kind of general advices, but then <coughs> it is up to us <coughs> to really grow with help of spiritual direction, help of holy fathers, to slowly grow and always respect the limits which our body <coughs> or our spiritual life gives us. So it means that if somebody, I mentioned that 75, he was, if I remember well, he was issued this, and if somebody took this as a regulation and for 30 or 40 years didn't make any progress to go more strict, so it means that there was no intention to grow spiritually. You know, I would say this is a starting point, starting point for some who are in the beginning of spiritual life. But then you should grow, and 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 we can help in parish people who some of them they will go totally without meat or a whole great fast. Some uh, they will go even further and to be hungry on Friday and on uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, they will be really hungry. Some, some will have some snacks, you know, on these days because if they work hard physically, uh, so they, their body needs that. But everything, uh, there is a value in each way of fasting if I try to reach my limits. If I try to reach my limits, that that uh, okay, maybe for me it is it is just to go without meat and to have moderation in eating. Somebody cannot do this. Somebody will keep more strict Wednesday and Fridays. Somebody will go strict whole, but but. Everything is okay if I try to reach my limit. What helps me to 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 go deeper in repentance, and which helps me to conquer my body, and and to give more freedom to my soul. You know, so if this is reached, so then it is fine. Next time I will go probably more strict, but this this desire to grow and to really push these limits in order to gain more spiritual strength, more grace, uh, to, to, to uh, make progress on this way of purification of my heart and mind, yes, I, 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 will be, I would have a desire to always to challenge these limits and to push them to more strict reasons, but, but it, it cannot be that now uh, it is a uniformity. It's in, uh, this is very wrong. It is, and and I would I would add that we should not share. It, it is not good to share that. Okay, I am going now without meat. Oh, great fast. We should not compare. Even ask to compare, because we have to respect the state of soul of my neighbor. 
because I can go probably very strict in my fast. But if I share that with somebody who is weaker, who is maybe in the beginning of this spiritual ascent, so I can cause despair in his soul. The person would, would give up. I said, well, I will be never able to reach this level of fasting. And, and, and I can damage his spiritual, her spiritual life. I'm talking about, I took an example as a, this fasting, but it is about prayer life. It is about these moments here, so spiritual things. It's, we have to be very careful and to realize that I am here with the help of God's grace in some kind of state, but I have to know that, well, maybe 10 years ago I was lower. And thanks God, you know, I grew, but now, my neighbor can be on the starting point and I should not somehow bring him to state when he loses hope <coughs> even and especially when this person tries his best or her best at that moment. So <coughs> to redirect what you were saying about the individuality of each person, and we can't set a universal rule that everyone has. That's the importance of a spiritual spiritual director. Yes. Because that person can help you saying, no, don't do that, do this. Yes. And, well, this is okay, but you're really, you know, in the, in the yeah, you give you a little kick in the, in the yeah. pants when you need it. Those who try to know the rules and follow them perfectly are actually taking control away from God. And they then can follow those rules and say, I'm good enough. I'm following the rules. I'm doing fine. That's where I'm at. And then it kind of gives them not only control, but permission to not do anything more. Even if they're very, very strict. Even if they're very, very strict. But it gives them that satisfaction that I did this. Wonderful. And it, it it can really... And take us backwards instead yeah. of forwards. Like, like Christ talking about the Pharisees following yeah. all of yeah, the letter of the law, yeah. but not the spirit yeah. of the law. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. This this was so well. Perfect. Cool. Bethany sent a video around and one priest was talking about fasting. And he said the worst time that he fasted when he was so concentrating on the rules that he, he never grew spiritually. So the bottom line is to grow spiritually, whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. This is. But, well, one thing is for sure about we are talking about fasting is <coughs> don't take it lightly. It has to be pain. You know, discomfort. It, it doesn't mean that, uh, I think that the, the disease of which really causes danger to our to spiritual life of in present time is this inclination to have comfort mm-hmm. you know like well easy way not to suffer too much not to cause too much like damage to yourself pampering our bodies our life and so don't think wrong that this fasting has to be challenged we have to Feel this hunger, 
but we should uh, we should respect our limits. I don't know we, if then because I'm so confused because so many these groups that are now but there is a story about one monk if I told that so stop me please okay one monk who joined monastery in older age and uh, but he was physically very strong so this uh, elders spiritual father gave him very strict rule for fasting so he was keeping the fasting but because he was strong enough he was doing all this heavy work and a monastery it was his obedience uh, what he was supposed to do in monastery and he suffered because he couldn't grow he was tired he couldn't pray and he was miserable he was getting sick and uh, but he was keeping all this but without this some kind of joy without so one day there was another uh, came another monk old monk who came to visit the monastery and he noticed this man and he somehow felt he knew that something is wrong so he asked him that how he's doing how is his rule of life so he said and he said well I am exhausted I am I cannot pray and I'm I'm probably I'm not worthy for monastic life because my prayer doesn't bring this fruit everybody's talking about and this visitor this old monk he re immediately recognized what is wrong so he talked to his spiritual father and uh, then spiritual father made his fasting a little bit lighter and what happened was that I th they found this good balance and suddenly even this life of prayer improved radically and he made huge progress in short time so we have to be careful that uh, that to f in finding these limits okay but well it doesn't mean that if I feel hunger and um, and well uh, I stand up to pray but still this hunger is reminding me of something it doesn't mean that now I have to go and have a snack to pray more uh, it was it's it's not meant this way you know that why yeah we should we should uh, when we started because in Slovakia there was like we didn't have a presentific gifts liturgist because there was no translation um, and uh, well it was not tradition even for many many decades and finally we got we started that and it was like instruction which came with this new liturgy that while well, we should not eat whole day it was like perfect rule we should not we should fast all day and to eat after we receive communion and so when we started and we had our meeting in dinner meeting 
we were sharing our experience, and <laughs> please said, "Wow, you know what? This canter in the end, he is so fast, you know, <laughs> because he wants to finish a little as soon as possible because we are hungry." And this was true because if you remember that we had at the time we were in the parish which now Warsaw, and there was like church was at a hill. 127 steps you had to every walk up and then yeah. up to go up to hill still the others she felt so many times on these ice on the steps that's funny yeah well anyway but usually you could see that these ladies who were slowly like walking up to steps and you know slowly Climbing to the church and then slowly going down, talking always on their way back from church. So when we started with this liturgy, it was true that they tried to keep fast all day. And when the liturgy was finished, you could say, almost everybody was running through the steps home to eat. They were so hungry. So it's fine. It's it's okay. It's okay, but. Well, anyway, let's be, let's keep in mind that not compare yourself with anybody or try to reach your limits, painful limits, to, to make effort, but respect this. And if you are not sure, uh, you should talk to your spiritual father about that and to find, for example, to, to share what is how what is going on with this fasting to find maybe uh, a correct way how to do this. All right, so let's finish this chapter. Okay. <laughs> There's no question. Saint John of the Ladder said, "A true repentant considers every day in which he did not weep to be wasted, even if he did good deeds during that day." Further on, he writes. No matter how exalted our life is, if we do not acquire compunction in our heart, our life is false and fruitless. It is necessary, truly necessary, for the one who has defiled himself after the laver of regeneration, holy baptism, to cleanse his hands with constant fire in the heart and the mercy of God. We will not be denounced, O friends, after the release of our soul from the body, that we were not miracle workers or theologians, or that we did not see spiritual visions. But we will definitely have to answer to God for not weeping constantly. That is, we're not in constant salvific sorrow for our sins and sinfulness. Even though sorrow is nearly always crowned with a greater or lesser amount of tears, some ascetics, as we see in the consolation offered to these ascetics by the Holy Fathers, suffer from heavy sorrow, either for their entire life or for a very long time, without the consolation and joy of tears. But they know that the essence of repentance is found in humility and a heart that is broken when the Spirit cries out because of extreme humility. The cry of the Spirit, especially when physical strength is lacking for extreme ascetic labors and the actions of humility in the soul, replaces all these labors and actions, including tears. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, 
in this last long paragraph he somehow tried to really stress importance of this gift importance of these correct settings where our heart maybe are able to be maybe are maybe make ourselves able or open for this gift from above and um, and he says that this this correct settings of our heart should be should be heart which is broken it is it is when we somehow give up uh, this our how are we see ourselves because even we admit our sins we confess them many times we there is no broken heart it's not this really acknowledgement okay i i really need i really need god's grace i i i'm giving up i'm leaving all this my uh, ego you know behind that it it is is something when we see very with clarity uh, that we are poor in in our life and we need this healing which comes with tears and especially it is like that after he said this bapt um, what he mean this um uh, cleansing holy baptism you know when we are cleansed then we uh, put dirt on our souls through our sins that we need these tears we need this spirit of repentance this broken heart and it means like and it is connected this broken heart everything we were talking before detachment from the world to fight with passions, growing virtues, fight with pride, keeping God's commandments, etc. So we can go through all these chapters. So all those things are helping to create this broken heart in us, which leads us and should lead us to permanent uh, compunction mm -hmm. of heart and it seems that it might go against like spirit of this world but it goes all like Christian life goes against like this world and it and and for sure if we put this as a invitation for, you know if we put it is like to put outside on this arrow sign there that well we are miserable if you want to miser be miserable too please join us come cry, <laughs> yeah, come cry with us <laughs> but actually this is true <laughs> but uh, at least the world can see our message this way. But we have to realize that uh, from this state 
of broken heart, sorrowing heart. If we do this, something is born. Joy and happiness world doesn't know. It's something, something really special which uh, we are not able to describe. Nobody of those monks would leave uh, their monasteries who tasted that. Nobody from Krishna's who tasted would say, okay, now I am really going back to world to live according. No, because even if there is a temptation and they would go, they would return back because they would miss this deep joy, deep happiness. Um, it's difficult to describe this. We have to experience it. But once we experience it, then nobody in the world can replace this taste. No, nothing. Nobody and nothing. The one thing that I was thinking of is, at least in the West, there's always that um, dichotomy between mortal sin, venial sin, so that what happens, at least experiences, we basically would say, well, I haven't killed anyone today, so I'm fine. I don't need to go to confession, or I'll go up for communion because I'm worthy, versus in my experience now is, like, it's different. It's not, I don't want to say anesthetized, but it's, it's clear that it, if I'm feeling that brokenness, it doesn't matter whether it's a venial sin or mortal sin. Exactly. Like it's, it's God telling me, you're broken name the sin so it doesn't have power. Yeah. Um, but that it's, you know, it's almost a minimal, even in, you know, I don't know about the history, but like just how things have become very minimalistic, of a, like a reduction of like what holiness is. Yeah, well, I don't think that this is just, you are pointing to words, but I, I think that right. East I too. Think it's East too, but yeah. I just was thinking of the it, distinction. There's a story of, a, of an abbot that one monk had a grave sin, and everyone knew this grave sin. And one of the other monks was particularly judgmental about it. So the, the, the abbot said to him, said to the two of them, I want you to go out and I want you to bring back a stone that is equal in size and weight to your sin or all your sins. So the one monk goes out and finds a very, very large rock that he can barely, and he comes back. And a long time later, the other monk comes stumbling back and he can barely walk because he has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stones of different sizes. His little venial sins, you know, mm -hmm. that weren't that important. You know, and he was judging the guy with the big rock and he's got all these hundreds of little rocks that weigh more than the other guys because every one of them he thought, oh, it's just little. You know? yeah. But when you add them up, yeah. you know, it takes you down just as much as the, the heavy. Good. Wow, thank you. But I would, Anir, what you said, 
again, I I think that uh, we as we are we might be critical about what we see, and we we might be right. Uh, we are right if we are critical because this is the reality. But um, look, I think that that. I think that the reason, the main reason, why we see these difficulties or this crisis or this some kind of uh, problems is that we went away from the spiritual tradition. You know, that I think that, uh, and and I can see that we are lucky here because all. Um, it, uh, it's recently, it's just last 20 years, when st this work started to come. But still, if you want to, you can you can have like huge library now with very important, good writing of these saints, and it's amazing. Look, like for me, if I what I see uh, in Slovakia, it is I feel really sorry. You know, this is why it was the reason why I started with these uh, studies, or even there, to share what we, what I prepared for here. And you you see, like, really new things for them. Because there is nothing. There is no translations. And because you don't have this and you don't read this, and you don't study this holy teacher of spiritual life. So there is no, some kind of instruction, no challenge. You know, yes, we can, we have gospels, you can, uh, you can uh, read the gospel, and to try to live the gospel, but still always this interpretation is coming from, okay, from yourself, how I see that, these limits. But once you start to read like these guys, saints, oh my, you see how they lived and understood gospel. It is like, okay, it puts you somewhere in the beginning of uh, spiritual life. And uh, so I think that, and this tradition was broken. Look, I, we had, I, I thought that we had very good formation in seminary in the time when I was there. But but still, even now, I think that they didn't prepare us for the role of spiritual fathers. They didn't teach us about these things, about these um, spiritual laws, about how to deal with passions, how to grow. And uh, well, again, there was no material in the Slovak language. But but I think. It's not only about translations, it's about that in last century, who knows, maybe because of these wars, which were in the beginning, and many other things we can spend hours talking about reasons. But the fact is that we abandoned this leadership of, of saints, and we, were, we went, I mean, maybe because society went so far and this modernization and everything, everything was changing. So 
probably we started probably for look for our own ways how to live life with God and we push away these things as a old as a something that doesn't work and because of that we try out spiritually we don't know how to deal with that and what you said about this that we don't care about this easy small sins it might be the reason because the reason is that there is no this effort to grow spiritually it is about to reach some kind of level of satisfaction uh, and then I feel I'm right but but it doesn't bring real life with God to us we, we, we forgot how to walk on this path to salvation, to perfectness. And so I think that it's very important to what we are doing here. I, this is my, I, well, maybe I am, because I like that, <laughs> I am pushing that, but well, I think it is, it is bringing fruit. All right, so thank you very much. We finished the chapter finally. <laughs>